1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On the Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. This is 105.9 The Region. I'm Tina Cortez with On The Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show. Our expert from Remax Prime Properties is Asif Khan. Hello, Asif. Hello, Tina. Okay, where do you want to start this morning? The bank rate or home sale numbers? Well, let's start with the bank rate because I know that's got everyone uh, listening today. Uh, The bank rate obviously has gone up half a point earlier this week. And that's not much of a surprise. I mean, there was a lot of talk about it being 0.75. Some people were even saying the BLC may increase it by a full point. So I think the half a point has people, uh, you know, a, a little bit at ease. I mean, it's still an increase. It still does increase people's payments if they're on variable. Lines of credits go up. But I think all in all, the messaging around the rate increase is this could be the last increase and we'll be heading into a pause. So that has a lot of people at ease over the last couple of days and, you know, really starting to figure out their options as we head into the new year. So the Bank of Canada raised the rate again to 4.25% seven times this year. What does that mean to the person who is holding a mortgage? Maybe that is up for renewal pretty soon. That's going to be tough. And, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of anxiety about what's going to happen with renewals. There's a lot of anxiety about people's credit lines and how much is this going to increase their payment. I've heard from, you know, even our buyers whose payments have gone from, say, $1,300 to almost $4,000. Seven rate increases in a year is unprecedented. And the Bank of Canada is now saying that, hey, you know, this, this could be where we end up and it could be the end of the rate hikes. Between a 5 and 6% mortgage is still, it's pretty reasonable for those of us that have had homes uh, back in the day and, and been able to uh, see these types of rates before. The rates that we had over the last few years were not rates that would hang around for a long time. They were put into place to get us through a specific issue, which was COVID. And now that uh, that's behind us, hopefully, we're starting to see more normalized rates uh, around the 5 and 6% mark. We also heard from Premier Ford earlier this week where he said he was against Bank of Canada raising interest rates again. So do you feel like perhaps this will be it? I believe so. And inflation is a lagging indicator. So we're going to find out maybe in a month or two months what these rate hikes have done to that uh, the inflation rate. And I think as it starts to come down, you're probably going to see some activity from the Bank of Canada to either pause the rate increases or maybe even drop it a quarter point uh, in order to get the market going again, get the economy going again. I, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with the economy right now. You're still seeing people out there spending. And, you know, we'll look at the housing numbers uh, in a minute. But, uh, you know, the everything continues and and the housing market is just one of the elements that goes into the inflation we've got gas prices supply chain food prices everything's contributing to inflation and as the supply chain starts to fix itself you're going to start to see some relief 
for the inflation rate, and that will in turn get the economy going again. And what do you think the rate hike, what is the impact on those thinking about making a home purchase? The rate hike always does affect people's decisions. I mean, it does knock them down a notch. If they would have been able to afford a detached home, they may be looking at semis now or townhouses or condos. So it does affect the affordability factor. And also, it does stress people out. If you're going from having to pay $1,500 for your mortgage or $2,500 to your mortgage, and now all of a sudden you're paying $3,000 or $4,000 for your mortgage, that's a lot of money. And, and you have to have that money in order to make that decision. So it could affect people's decisions in terms of what they're buying or where they're buying. Uh, you know, you drive till you qualify. So it may push people out further and further away from the GTA just in order to get them into a home. Talking about getting into a home, what can you tell us about the home sale numbers? The numbers came out uh, again earlier this week and we're looking at 12,280 sales per York region year to date. Uh, where are we going to end up? We're probably going to end up close to 13,000 sales for 2022, Tina, and comparing that to last year, it's going to be about a 42% decline in sales. And, and that's that's a huge chunk. I mean, we're coming off a record-breaking year. So even if you take out 20% to say, okay, hey, that was a record year, we're not going to do that. We're still short about 20% in terms of volume. Okay, so inventory is still an issue. Are there areas in York Region hotter than others? But inventory is still an issue right across the region now. Okay. It's an issue compared to problems that we had last year where we had one month of inventory. So last year, at the end of the year, Tina, we only had 612 homes for sale. This year, it seems like we have so much more inventory, but we have 2,022 homes for sale year to date. And uh, sorry, 2013 homes for sale year to date. And that's 1.9 months of inventory, which is still about half of where we need to be in order to help with the affordability factor. As far as areas that are hotter than the other, I mean, right now, King is a little bit quiet. And that's understandable because the price points there are a lot higher. But you're looking at Markham, Newmarket, Richmond Hill, they continue to build momentum as, as we move forward. It's been a quiet October, November, uh, even the start of December has been a little bit quieter but they had phenomenal starts to the year. So when we look at the numbers year to date, they're not that bad. And if we look at York Region as a whole in terms of average price, we're sitting at 1.395 million. And that's 8% higher than the 1.29 million that we ended 2021 at. So price continues to climb, inventory is still low, and although sales are down, the fact that there's low inventory and there's still people competing for the good houses and also the fact that inventory is down 16% from last year. If you look at the year-to-date totals for new listings that came on in 2021, we had 31,385 listings come on. In 2022, we've only had 26,345 people list their homes. They're waiting because there's no catalyst for them to give their home away at a lower price. So they're waiting for market conditions to get better. As we see with uh, the units, that's uh, twofold because we've got people waiting to lift, so there's less on the market, and then we've got people waiting to buy, so there's less sales. So once the dust settles after this latest rate increase, we're going to start to see people come off the fence. 
Okay, so the biggest takeaways from the two big stories this week, the rate hike and the home sale numbers, what do you want to tell our listeners right now? The rate hike of half a point has been, uh, you know, pretty much anticipated right across the country, and and we knew it was coming. We knew there was going to be another rate hike. Uh, it, there was there were different schools of thoughts. Was it going to be 0.75? Was it going to be one percent? Was it going to be 0.25? But I think the majority of people would have said it's going to be half a percent. And when you're expecting it, it's not as big of a shock as if they would have gone with a 0.75 or 1% rate hike right now. And even if they would have gone with a quarter point, I think that would have really excited people to say, okay, it's not that bad. But half a point, I think, you know, the status quo will remain for a few weeks because people were expecting it. They were planning around it. And now we start moving forward. As far as the numbers, Sales are down, and there's no two ways to look at that. Unit sales are down, and they're going to be down drastically over last year. When you're putting it into perspective, last year was a record year. But prices are up, and they're up 8%. So the longer you wait, the more buying power you're giving away, not only with prices increasing, but also with the rate increasing. So if you're a buyer, there's a window of opportunity here right now before everyone gets into the market for you to look and try and find the house that you want and get into it. Considering the current economic climate, do you think buyers and sellers are thinking, okay, that's it, let's get on with it already, let's hit 2023? I think pent-up demand is going to be a huge factor as we move into the spring of 2023. And, And we've seen this before. We've seen this in 2008, 2009. We've seen this in 2017 where pent-up demand fuels the market and it starts earlier than anticipated. So I don't think we're going to be waiting until March or April for the market to kick off. I think it's going to be a late January thing. And that's why I was saying there's there's a window of opportunity here for buyers to capitalize while other buyers are still sitting on the fence. So if you're ready to go, this is a good time to be out there and looking and trying to find that right home. After the break, consumer protection in real estate. The CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Board joins the show next. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's radio real estate show. Over to my co-host and our real estate expert, Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties with today's guest, Asif. Thank you, Tina. And joining us is the CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association, Tim Hudak. Tim, welcome back to On the Market. Hey, Asif. Uh, great, great to be here. Keep up the good work. And I just want to say before we get into the interview, fantastic job at our uh, reality conference a couple weeks ago. It was uh, an honor to have you on our stage, and you did a fantastic job hosting that uh, that panel, Bulls versus Bears, right? Where's the real estate uh, market uh, going? And uh, we had the Valve Economist, or else you, you did a great job. Tim, I was honored to, to be a part of that, and congratulations on a successful and, and very positive reality conference. Uh, everyone that left there and attended just had rave reviews about it. So, you know, kudos to you and the Aria team for putting that on. Yeah, thanks. It was, we had about 1,200 people there, and uh, we're thrilled by that. And we'd like to say the reality uh, conference is the best stage. You get a sneak preview of where the market is going, and 
you know, how you can grow your business even during a more challenging market. And, you know, we got experts like you on the stage. It was fun to interview President Bill Clinton, too, to learn about what he did to increase home ownership. We could do that in the province of Ontario, no doubt. Anyway, thanks for being part of it, and we are thrilled with the success. And we'll be um, next time, 2024, in Ottawa. Looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, closer to home, Tim, last week, uh, Ontario's Auditor General released her report and the changes already being worked on in the industry uh, with regards to RICO. Tell us a little bit about this report. Yeah, you bet. I think the dust is uh, still still settling on it from uh, over a week ago because um, the auditor uh, does a, is a really important uh, job um, for us in Ontario. I mean, my, my, you know, past uh, 20, 21 years in uh, the Ontario legislature, we always look for the auditor's report because they're an objective uh, officer of the Legislative Assembly. They're agreed to by uh, all political parties. And uh, their job is to make sure that taxpayers are getting value for their money and that government uh, operations are running efficiently. And we had encouraged uh, the auditor to uh, to look at RICO. RICO plays such an important role. That's the Real Estate Council of Ontario. They're basically like the judge, uh, the referee for real estate transactions. You have a complaint about your experience in the real estate process. You, you go to RICO. They make sure that everybody as registered as a, uh, a registrant or a realtor, you know, meets educational standards and ethical standards, enforce code ethics. They got a really important job to play, and that's why we were pleased to see uh, the auditor look at them and say, okay, what are they doing well, and what needs to be improved so that we have the most uh, trusted real estate market to anywhere in North America. And a lot of this report referred back to REBA 2002, and you know, Tressa does address a lot of what was in this report, does it not? Yeah, exactly. So that's a good way to put it. So, so RICO, as the, sort of the judge, the regulator, enforces the legislation. But the legislation's dated. It was done in 2002 when, you know, you, you could buy a house in, uh, in Toronto probably for about $200,000 and in, uh, you know, in, in Durham for one hundred and twenty. It's not exactly the state of affairs today. So we've been pushing for some time. Uh, including, you know, with help from, from leaders like yourself, Asa, to get that legislation modernized and to make sure that that realtor at your side making the biggest transaction of your life is going to be a trusted advisor with high standards, a strong code of ethics, and a disciplinary system that will back you up as a buyer or seller if things go wrong. And there's a lot of improvements in that legislation. I mean, higher fines that reflect the modern market, a greater ability for the regulator, RICO, to suspend or uh, revoke uh, licenses uh, altogether to deny people who shouldn't be in the profession uh, from getting uh, a license in the first place, uh, more tools for realtors like personal real estate corporations, and, and better, more clear information for buyers and sellers. That's all really good. So, you know, our biggest point of view on this is, you know what, the auditor pointed out some, some important changes to make to get things done, done better, higher consumer protection. A big part of that is in this trust of legislation. So let's get moving and get the regulations passed to make that a reality and get to those North American leading standards. And consumer protection is the bottom line. What does a report like this do for the trust that people put into a realtor or for our governing bodies? Well, it builds trust. Here you have uh, you know, somebody who is arm's length, has no skin in the game, uh, and her team of, uh, you know, forensic uh, accountants um, uh, and, and auditors to say, all right, uh, do we truly have high consumer protections when it comes to real estate purchases and those who get their license uh, in real estate? Uh, is a regulator operating efficiently? If there's a complaint, do they get back to 
you know, people in time? Uh, do they actually inspect brokerages on a regular basis and focus their resources on, you know, the bad actors in the system? Uh, are they giving the boot to people who shouldn't be in real estate in the first place? And there's been a lot of progress made, but the auditor gets some really good ideas to get to a, another level, to make sure if you have a complaint, it's done faster, that brokerage inspections are done more efficiently and resources are targeted at areas where there are problems as opposed to a scattergun approach. And you did a lot of work with TRESA, the Trust in Real Estate Services Act. Tell our listeners what the, the act is and how it addresses some of these issues. Yeah, you bet. So the Trust in Real Estate Services Act that was passed in 2020 um, it, it was supported, by the way, asset by all the political parties that passed with every, you know, unanimously in the House. You don't see that very often, but it shows that it was needed. So it'll do things like enabling the regulator to, um, to, do a better, to be more focused on being proactive and, and getting data to figure out where the, the bad operators or trends are happening and focus resources there. Here's another one, to deny people access to the profession in the first place uh, who may have a criminal background. So to, so to say, no, you, you can't get in because you're involved in a fraud before, for example, suspending and revoking uh, licenses because too much in the past, uh, people saw that uh, there was a slap on the wrist instead of tougher punishment when it went to a different adjudicated body. So give RICO a greater ability to say, hey, you know, you've crossed the line, you're suspended, or you're gone altogether from the profession. And also changing some terms, you know, there's something called customer-client. If um, the realtor is acting um, with a customer and a client, it, it makes it more clear that a client and a self-represented party, just for clarity, if uh, two people are using the same realtor, the realtor will have a fiduciary duty to one party. The other one they can give some services to, but they don't actually have a fiduciary relationship. All of this stuff is very important to getting us to being North American leaders when it comes to protection when you're buying or selling a home. And it certainly just does increase transparency and helps not only the consumer, but also broker owners such as myself, where now we know who we're hiring and we'll be able to uh, eliminate those bad apples per se that uh, ha have made the spotlight for all the wrong reasons just over the last little while, would it not? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, we, uh, the Ontario Real Estate Association, same point of view asset that you have with your brokerages, right? If, if somebody has been involved in a criminal proceeding, they take advantage of somebody, they, they, they break the rules, you know, we don't want them anywhere near a future real estate deal, and they should get booted. That's what TRESA helps uh, do. Here's another example the auditor put out that we are encouraging. There could be a time where the fine is actually less than the commission that a realtor made, and, and they broke the rules. That doesn't make any sense. So we've been saying at ARIA that if somebody breaks the rules, they should be punished, and they shouldn't make any money out of the deal, right? The entire commission plus should be taken out of their pockets to send a very clear message. Uh, the auditor agreed with that, so hopefully you'll see that take place. And Tim, how does this impact the perception of what others may have about our industry? It, it is going to uh, enhance it. it. Basically, the auditor um, gave a number of recommendations, and many of which we agree with, and many of which Rico has said, yep, you know what, we're going to do that, to make sure that if you do have a negative experience, uh, they respond to you uh, more quickly, that it goes through their uh, review and judicial process uh, much more efficiently, and to make sure there are tougher pines, sorry, fines and, and penalties 
and the ability to take away somebody's license uh, altogether, to have a tougher gate to get in if you want to be in the profession based on you know your previous record. And then I really like the notion of pinpointing the resources they have based on a statistical analysis of what the trends are. You know, where are bad activities taking place? And they can focus their resources there. So I think this Auditor General's report, no doubt, because of the objectivity, they go through it thoroughly, top to bottom. It takes months, though, to do these reviews. And then some, some very good ideas for going forward. I think these ideas are implemented, many of which we had brought forward ourselves before. That would give assurance to a buyer or seller in Ontario that they'll have the highest standards of protection of any province or state in North America. And thorough it was, 51 pages, and uh, I did go through it. <laughs> um, as far as when these new rules with Tresa go into effect, when would that be? Well, so some have gone into effect already. For example, personal real estate corporations, which gave a new, you know, new business models for realtors to help in, invest in the business, hire more people, get new technology. It's in a series of stages. Uh, there's going to be a new code of ethics. There's going to be a, a new option for consumers on, sell they, on how they sell their home, what would be an open offer uh, process where uh, contents of offers could be shared among prospective buyers. That's an opt-in process that will be coming in April of this uh, year ahead. Tougher fines are in place, but then by April, a better ability of the regulator to um, suspend and revoke licenses. And then ultimately, in, uh, in 20, um, after that, the next work will begin for 23-24 for specialty certifications for realtors. Just like lawyers ask it for, lawyers are called the bar, they can practice law, but then they will specialize often, right? They'll be labor lawyers or corporate lawyers or family lawyers. So, too, realtors can actually put out a shingle and say, you know what, I'm a specialist in commercial or waterfront or working with seniors. It'll be backed up by business, by educational courses, and enforced. So that's a very exciting development. It'll take some time to get all the details right, but I suspect you'll see that probably in 2024. These other changes coming up, I mentioned, in April of next year, so only five months away. And, Tim, will there be higher academic standards required, and will the education process change at all? That was not part of the auditor's uh, report. We certainly think that, that it should be. Uh, that you know, Look, um, when, when you're making a decision about where you're going to live, uh, the importance of investment, you know, what's going to happen down the road if you sell it for retirement, you're raising your, your kids there, the value of real estate and the complexity of the exchange you know, continues to increase over time. So therefore, you should raise the, the, the bar when it comes to educational standards. We also think that we could do a better job when it comes to uh, the continuing education that realtors uh, need to do. The courses obviously will update realtors on any changes that have taken place, but they could be more demanding. Uh, so we'd like to see us, just like we're seeing on the, on the uh, administration of discipline, the ability to investigate uh, and gather data, that's all good stuff to reflect what is becoming an increasingly precious investment, your home, so too as if educational standards should continue to rise and make it more demanding to get in the door in the first place. Tim, always great information and great to speak with you on, on the market. If our listeners want to find out more about Tressa or any of Aurea's initiatives, where can they do that? Absolutely. The best place is our website, orea.com. You can hear about our plans to raise the bar when it comes to professional standards and ethics. You can see our review and link directly to the auditor's report that we just talked about uh, today at Aria 
com, or you can follow us on, on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, all across the board, LinkedIn as well, uh, under OREA, the Ontario Real Estate Association, or me, Tim Hudak. Asif, thank you for your leadership and calling these issues forward. Really, really good to be back on the show. Thanks, Tim. I hope you have a, a great rest of the weekend. You as well. When we come back, your questions for Asif Khan. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market. Time now for our email questions. And we begin with Frida in Thornhill. She owns her home and also owns a rental property. The tenant in her rental isn't paying and refuses to leave. Due to higher costs, she will likely sell the property in the new year. How does the tenant factor into the decision to sell? A bit complicated here, isn't it, Asif? It sure is. And uh, the thing to uh, note here is, is there a lease in place and, and when does that end? You're going to have to give the tenant notice uh, as to when they're supposed to vacate. And it has to be if you're selling the property or if you're moving into the property. So it depends because the tenant doesn't really have to leave. And if you're selling the property, the new buyer has to provide you with a document that says they are not going to be renting out the property. Otherwise, the tenant does have a right to continue renting that property. So there's a lot that goes into it. We'd have to take a look at each individual situation to properly advise you, but a paralegal or a lawyer would also be able to give you the right information on how to handle that tenant. And isn't it a challenge then to sell a property with a tenant? And sometimes that helps you sell the property, but if you have a tenant who can be difficult or challenging, I assume then the sale would be just as complicated. Yeah, it really is. And the, the problem right now is with the landlord-tenant board being backed up, uh, it's not helping the landlords. I mean, it's no secret that the uh, Landlord-Tenant Act pr- protects tenants more so than it does landlords. And this has been a huge discussion uh, about you know how the act needs to change in order to prevent situations like this where landlords are left in limbo because they're having trouble kicking a tenant out or the tenant refuses to leave, they're not paying rent. There's so many instances where we need to fast track the process where uh, tenants can be evicted. And I think sometimes we hear the word landlord and we think, my goodness, big business, a developer, someone who owns multiple properties perhaps. And in many situations though, that's not the case. They may own you know, just a single property and are looking for an additional line of income. So it really is a challenge on so many fronts. It really is. And, and it could be a situation where they had to sell, but they couldn't sell. So they've leased it out and they're trying to make ends meet. And the interest rates are going up. Their mortgage payments are going up. The rent's not covering the payments. Property taxes are going up. So uh, you, know, you have to feel for some of these landlords where they're, they're just barely making the payments that they need to make on these properties. And then when the tenant stops paying rent, now they have nothing coming in. So they either, I've heard many horror stories of landlords having to go out and get uh, second jobs just to be able to uh, 
cover the rent that they or the mortgage payment because the tenant is unable to pay rent. So there's so many horror stories out there, and we really do need to clean up the uh, Landlord Tenant Act in order to help protect some of these landlords. Our next question comes from Prab in Brampton. He plans to help his son with the down payment, but he also wants to protect his investment. What advice do you have for the bank of mom and dad? Uh, again, great question. And, you know, there's, this comes up a lot, especially over the last few years where the bank of mom and dad is financing a lot of these first-time buyers. And, you know, there's uh, different ways that you can protect your investment. You can go on title with your son or daughter, or you can put a lien on, on the home that uh, you're purchasing. You can do a second mortgage and have that registered. So there's a lot of different ways that you can do it. Again, it's best to talk to a lawyer to find out what the best solution is because some banks may not want a second lien on the property or a second mortgage on that property. So you may actually have to go on title. But uh, again, it just depends on the situation, depends on the financial institution, and the lawyer will have a solution for you. As a reminder, if you have questions for On The Market, hit send anytime to info at 1059theregion.com. But Asif, if our listeners prefer to contact you directly, how can they do that? Okay, they can always reach me by phone, 416-985-CON. That's 416-985-5426. And if you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. I'm Tina Cortez. Thank you for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.